fireball has arrived. <laughs> we had to extinguish her. That's why I'm all white. It's good you were able to come. <laughs> what happened to your hair? No, oh, okay. I got some there. <laughs> well, we have an amazing student, don't we? We do. Congratulations. I, I don't know where. I wonder if Joshua's making these students up. <laughs> but I think Michelle, not. congratulations. And good luck at the Olympics. Really neat. Every week, someone better and better. So a lot of people are starting to wonder about where are the science fair announcements? Mm -hmm. And I just want to let you know a uh, lot of entries, a lot of good things, and we'll probably have the judging done, what, this year, next year? <laughs> no, we're working on it. Okay. And it is wonderful, and we have some wonderful entries this year. It's really exciting. Big prizes. I want to know who won the telescope. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, that'd be fun. And we got other prizes too. Okay, so you wanted to say something. We're going to turn some time over to her. She, she wanted to have a few minutes on her own to do this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Did you want me to model your hat? Here we go. It's great. You know, I'm it's glad nice she did that. Because in life, we wear many hats. We do. Yeah. That's so sure. um, when I moved to Missouri, I had been working for quite a few years as the head of a public company. And um, as the head of a public company, I had really nice suits. <laughs> Very expensive. Ties. I mean, not dragon ties, but you know, ties. <laughs> and so. Um, I wanted to go to a horse auction. I love horses. I wanted to go to a horse auction, but I wanted to blend in. So I went and bought some blue jeans because I didn't have any. Got blue jeans. And then I bought a cowboy hat so I'd fit in. And I went to the auction. And in that, it was clear full of people wanting to buy horses. And in that whole room, there was only one guy in a cowboy hat. <laughs> so you didn't blend in. Everybody else had seed hats that they probably got for free. But anyway, yeah. hats. We, we wear hats. You know, we put on different hats for different missions, different things we're going to do in life. Mm -hmm. And right now she's putting on her science life hat. That's a pretty nice hat. I'm not sure what that means. It means it's available for anybody who wants it in the Acela store. Right? Oh, you're working for David now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, as you wear different hats, it means something. When we're having meetings, quite often, we'll be discussing something we're going to do. And we say, well, not just a minute. I want to put on my marketing hat and look at it from that point of view. Mm -hmm. So I'm, just imagine I put on my marketing hat. Now I'm a salesman. And I say, so. What exactly did Tobias talk about tonight? Mm -hmm. And the marketing head on, you know, that kind of makes me Steve Jobs. Uh, cell phones. We should sell phones. Right? <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, there's one hat that I want you to think about tonight, and it's the hat of an inventioneer. Mm. Inventioneer. 
I'm going to draw, this is going to be art, exquisite art. <laughs> if you want, when I'm done, I'll sign this and give it to you. I want that. Or to the person you designate. I want it from me. Well, let's let's wait and see what it is. Here we are now. Okay. And this is where we want to go by then. Here we are now. This is where we want to go by then. And so how do we get from here to here? And the answer is we need one of these. Love those sound effects. We need one of those. And you know what that is? You want me to label it for you? I do. I'll spell it out. Okay. Okay, you go ahead and see what you think it is. It's an invention. To get from where we are now to where we want to be, we have to have an invention. An invention is something that we create out of the figment of our imagination to be able to get us from where we are to where we want to be. And a person that creates these inventions is called an invention ear. Is that what you are? Inventioneering. Mm -hmm. Inventioneering is the terminology that I like to use when I'm talking about the science of putting science to work. And my goal is to wear the inventioneering hat. I would like to be known as the <coughs> father of inventioneering. Okay. Really would. And I'd like to have a lot of people explore the exciting opportunities of inventioneering. Inventioneering is where you really, really do things. Remember the guy that was my mentor, Bill Lair? Mm -hmm. And he was mentored by Thomas Edison back in the day. When Mr. Lear was mentored by Thomas Edison, Mr. Lear was designing radios. Radios were a new thing, and he understood them, understood them better than most. He even got expelled from school once for getting in an argument with his teacher about a radio coil. The teacher said, a radio coil has got to be at least that big. And Bill Lear says, no, you can make a little teeny radio coil. It would work. It's just got to be tuned and proportionate. And they got in a big argument, and Bill Lear got expelled. So he went home and did what any inventioneer would do he built a radio with a little teeny radio coil. He wound around a pencil. Sounds like something you would do. And then, <laughs> and then he went back to the school and he asked the teacher, why is this working? Definitely sounds like something you would do. <laughs> and the teacher, being the great educator he was, was pretty excited because he learned something something big and important. Up till that day, if you made a radio, it'd have to be big enough to have that great big radio coil in it. The radio coil is the part that kind of receives the radio wave and captures it, turning it into electricity. So now you can make a little teeny one. And Mr. Lear, young Mr. Lear, I guess we'd call him Boy Lear, Billy Lear, and the teacher realized now you can make a radio small enough 
to fit into the dashboard of a car. So they made a car radio. And they started a company called Motor Radio, Motorola. And if they hadn't done that, can you imagine? Tobias had been up here and had been stuck on dragonflies. It's as far as he could have gone. Just think, dragonflies. So Inventioneering created Motorola. And Motorola, a very exciting company. Now, Motorola built a lot of these plants where you build electronic circuits. We call them fabs. It's where they manufacture these disks that have, are cut up into a lot of little computer processors and chips. And more recently, the fabs in the US that Motorola built were acquired by a different company that is making the chips for our gold keys. For you. So our teachers that are using gold keys to protect your student data, it's done on Motorola fabs, which just shows it's all connected. It is. <laughs> <laughs> You're still connected, huh? <laughs> How embarrassing. Okay. I was wondering if you could explain what you said. You said inventionary. Wait, wait a minute. If I could explain what I said, I said. <laughs> what you said, you said. Um, where's Dr. Dayton? Is that correct English? <laughs> Will you explain what you said? <laughs> Should we make her rephrase that? Could you say that in English? Run it through the writing tutor and see if you can get an English version. This is not my native tongue, you know that. That's the proof we've been waiting for. So where are you from? Not telling. Not telling. That's not telling. around the star Rigel, isn't yeah. it? Uh, okay. Yes, ma'am. Inventioneering is the science of putting science to work. So what does that mean, the science? So there's a science of putting the science to work. What do you think it means? <laughs> I asked the question. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> is she allowed to do that? No. According to the billing, to. I was first, she was just with. <laughs> <laughs> But the kids and I want to know. Science is, are you their agent now? Right. Science is a wonderful tool. Science is a way to be able to conquer the unknown, to learn things. And a long history of brilliant people have developed the technologies we use in science, scientific research. And we, we have a method which is simplified by saying, first of all, you see a problem and you come up with a theory or a hypothesis. Remember the science fair? A hypothesis of why it is the way it is. And then you invent or figure out an experiment to test your hypothesis to see whether or not it's true. You do the experiment, you find out more than you were hoping to, and then, you know, da da da, da and the optimism curve, we talked about all that. But science then is a very well thought out method of searching for truth. And it, it really has been the key to discovering a lot of things. When we see something that comes out of an experiment that doesn't make sense, then maybe there's some science to learn. So in Inventioneering, we make a science of being able to 
put the breakthroughs of basic science into work. Uh, the best way to explain is probably an example. Yes. Okay. Like examples. It's mine. Right. <laughs> that one's. It's, it's already there. <laughs> do you want me to sign it? I do. For you. <laughs> This one signed. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> we have a problem. And inventioneering very often starts with some kind of a need or a problem. And inventioneers, we love challenges, we love problems. Um, in, in our family, if you really want me to be motivated and do something, you say, I don't think it can be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it can. Inventioners love the challenge. So let's take a typical problem and just run through it. Okay, this will be a real thing. And to make it real, if we're going to spend this time inventioneering, mm -hmm. let's make it be something we're really going to do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we're not just going through an exercise. We're actually changing the world. Would you like to be part of that? That's, that's what inventioners do almost every day. We change the world. So let's think about the biggest problem we can think of. Right now, one of the things that's really a problem is the pandemic. Pandemics, you know, people have to wear masks and schools are closed, businesses are closed. A big, big disruption. Right now, the disruption is huge in China. And there is a very good possibility that we're going to have more problems like this in the future. And wouldn't it be great if we could stop the spread of germs in schools? Or if we could even reduce it, wouldn't that be great? How could we do it? I know you have the answer. No, I have the inventioneering technology to go after <laughs> okay. it. So first of all, we have to have the problem. And we have to have the problem in mind. And a big part of inventioneering is choosing your problem well. In my case, I love to identify problems that need to be solved. And then I love to do experiments in my mental laboratory. And every inventioner needs a good mental laboratory to see if I can solve the problem. And a mental laboratory is actually a real thing. A good inventioner has a laboratory where you actually do experiments, and you do them based on your experience, your knowledge of chemistry, of physics, of math, and of the other experiments you've done. And most of the experiments I do are mental ones. And after I get the results of my mental experiments, then I do real laboratory experiments to see if my mental experiments were right. If they're not right, then I try and figure out what's wrong with my mental laboratory when I do some tweaks. That's why every week I have a different hairstyle. <laughs> a few tweaks to get me in the group. So in this case, our problem is how do we slow down the spread of germs at schools during a pandemic? And to really have that figured out, we have to understand germs. Germs like COVID virus. Have you seen a picture of, of the COVID virus? It's like this scary looking ball with these little 
spikes coming out. It looks terrible. Yeah, that's enough to make me sick just looking at it. So the problem with COVID, though, is that it spreads. If there was one COVID cell in the whole world, it wouldn't be a problem. But the problem is it's contagious. It's infectious. It can, it can reproduce. And that's one of the aspects of living things. If it's not living, it can't reproduce. And in fact, sometimes they say when you can make it so that it can't reproduce, when we're talking about viruses and, and bacteria, and then we say they're dead if they can't reproduce. And I say, but they look like they're still wiggling. Well, they don't wiggle, they just can't reproduce. The way that living things reproduce is first of all by dividing their DNA. And you remember what DNA is? It's two long chains, something like this, of molecules that are in a double helix, and, and these are encoded with the, the, the DNA or with the genetic makeup of the person or of the animal or of the plant. And DNA is able to repro reproduce, duplicate itself, and then a cell can divide, and where you had one living cell, now you have two. If we wanted to stop the spread of germs like a virus like COVID, then one real good way to do it would be to stop DNA. If we had a little app on our cell phone, stop DNA reproduction. Just open that app, click it, and COVID would be over. Unfortunately, no one's invented that app yet. And no, I haven't either. <laughs> but there is a way to stop COVID from reproducing. And it is by attacking the DNA. Now, I'm going to put this in context, and I'm going to put the rest of the DNA, I mean, of the COVID here. And, you know, we need to have some of these little ugly spikes. <laughs> Peja would be much better at drawing these than I am. No. But imagine these little ugly good. spikes all over it. And we're going to make this particular COVID cell incapable of being able to reproduce. If we could do that in schools, we would solve an enormous problem. So we could we put poison on it. That would probably work, but it's a little messy. You know, maybe we gas it with poison gas. Could be hard on the students, so. <laughs> yeah. But what if we could do something that would make the DNA not work anymore? Can anyone remember when we talked about resonant frequency? We started by talking about a swing. You push a swing, it swings out and back. You push it again. If you push it at the right time, every cycle, it swings higher and higher and higher. I found out that if you push the swing, and then when it's coming back, you try to push it in the middle, it stops it. You gotta push it at the right time. And the right timing is the frequency of pushing it. And if it's right, it makes it bigger. We showed a video of a, a little wine glass 
that was put in front of a high-powered speaker, and we tuned the frequency to the resonant frequency of the glass. And what's the resonant frequency? Well, the glass has stiffness. And for a particular shape of glass with a particular sh uh, stiffness, it will vibrate at a certain speed. And so we tune the sound to that speed, and you have to find it just right, and pretty soon the glass starts vibrating just because of sound. And if you turn up the volume of the sound, it vibrates more. And you remember, when you get the sound loud enough, the glass shatters and disintegrates. Well, what if we could do that with DNA? That would be neat. But we'd have to know the resonant frequency of DNA. And it turns out, it is not a sound. It's not in the sound range. Mm -hmm. It's much, much higher because these are very, very little. And it turns out that it's like up in the light range. And even light isn't short enough wavelength to make it resonate. You have to go beyond light. So you can start seeing light, and then it gets shorter and shorter and shorter waves. And then you have to go into Infrared, no, ultraviolet. Infrared is the other way. And you go into this invisible light, shortwave UV, and you finally get the frequency that DNA resonates. And when you hit that frequency, if you shine that invisible light on a living cell, the DNA will, will be destroyed, it'll, it'll fragment, and then it can't reproduce. Now, what would that do to, to people? Well, it's not a good thing because it can also make the cells in our bodies not reproduce. But the interesting thing is that light will not go through glass or metal or other things. It, it, it's true. Light goes through glass, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But shortwave UV, clear down in that very, very small wavelength, tries to go through glass and it can't, it can't penetrate it. Unless the glass happens to be quartz glass, then it can. It can also go through, interestingly, Teflon and a few other things, but it can't go through anything. So we can make a tube, like a, a light bulb, that can make UV light, germicidal UV light, that can kill viruses and kill bacteria. No smell, mm -hmm. just kills. So what good would that do? And But we'd have to be very careful with it. It could hurt your eyes. It could burn your skin. It'd be kind of like a sunburn, be pretty nasty. We don't want to do that. But other than that, we have a good thing. So now this is engineering. We've got a technology. We've got a problem. If we could just figure out how to stick it together, we could solve this. So how do we stick it together? May I show you a video? This is a video of what Acellus is doing in classrooms. Acellus STEM 10 is a major initiative engineered to significantly increase the number of students prepared for high-tech careers right out of high school. 
STEM 10 is a cohesive 10-year program starting with coding in third grade and adding complexity each year. Upon reaching the ninth grade, students then branch into a career and technical field that matches their interest. The Acilla STEM 10 program is like having a STEM teacher in a camp. It is ready to go day one and does not require that teachers have special training. STEM 10 combines self-contained teacher instruction with interactive tutoring to the student by the robot. Each year, students progress through courses that build the foundation for advanced technical pathways at the high school level. With this turnkey system, schools are able to offer a complete STEM program without the need for extensive additional training for the classroom teacher. So there you have seen the Acela stem pods, mm -hmm. okay? And a stem pod works like this. Looking from the ceiling down, they're shaped like this. And you put one student here, one student here, and one student here. And the idea is no two students are sitting there distracting each other. And they learn better. And so that's why we shaped them like this, okay? But you have this big thing in front of them, and in our STEM labs, it's where we keep our robots. Well, what if we invented a new pod, and it wasn't STEM, what if it was a pandemic pod? And we could call these pods the things that make up the electronic classroom. Okay. What if you put these in schools, and just the fact that if people sneezed, germs and they weren't wearing a mask, they wouldn't go over to the other students because they got this nice big thing in the middle to protect them. That would be a pretty good deal, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's so many different kinds of germs. Mm -hmm. But inside of it, you know, this would also work with colds and mm -hmm. the flu and things like that, but yeah. inside we have a lot of area okay. and the kids can't see inside because there's metal. So what if we were to put one of these tubes, one of these lights, in here on each side so it's shining out these rays that can destroy DNA. What if we did that? And what if down at the bottom, I'll kind of draw this one so you can see it, like that. What if down by the table we put in a bunch of holes so that air can get in the bottom of, that, of this centerpiece? and then put other holes in top so air can get out. The lights are going to heat up the air inside here and hot air rises like a hot air balloon. So with no fan, it would pull air in the bottom, it would go up through the unit and come out the top. You'd hold your hand and feel the warm air coming out from the lights. Only the air coming out would have been sanitized. All of the germs can't reproduce. They are turned off because their DNA is disintegrated. No smell, just no ability to reproduce. So I'm gonna draw a front version. So I'm sitting here at my, my desk and I have my little computer here. Okay, so we've got holes in here. So when I <laughs> sneeze or cough or whatever, the germs go into this chamber, they rise, and as they come out, they are nice and clean. That's brilliant. And if we wanted to, by choosing exactly the right frequency of the ultraviolet light, 
we could make it so they made just a teeny, teeny amount of ozone because ultraviolet light also makes ozone. And ozone chews up germs, really does. In yeah. Europe, they don't use chlorine to purify or to sterilize the water. They use ozone. Mm -hmm. Ozone pretty neat stuff. Ozone, all three. Okay, got that? Mm -hmm. with me? Okay. So this could be a pandemic stopper. And how's it stop a pandemic? Well, first of all, the students sitting here, if they sneeze on it, there's something in the way so the germs don't go right over on the other people. Second of all, the germs are pulled in and, and the germs are, uh, are killed, meaning that they're they cannot reproduce, and they also have just a little bit of ozone coming out. Now, a small amount of ozone is what it smells like after a nice thunderstorm. You know, a nice, clean, fresh smell, that's ozone. You'd want to choose the frequency so there's just a teeny amount, but the ozone's residual. It'll keep cleaning the germs out even at night if they turn off these units. I think this could really lower the spread of germs from colds, from flus, mm -hmm. from things like that. And it might allow us to be able to keep our schools in operation even when we're going through some of these problems. It'll have to be studied, to be. but the science behind it is good. So we have a problem right here and now. Mm -hmm. And so we're inventioneering a solution. And this is our idea kill the DNA, stop the germ, and this is our implementation. Can we put up a photograph of one of these pods? Okay, there it is. This is a picture of one of our STEM labs. Now it's interesting that that tower in the middle that says Acellus mm -hmm. is made here by IST students. And the table, the white table with the printing on it, you can write on those. It's a whiteboard, so you can write on it with those Acellus pens. That's made here too. We actually print those out here. And around the outside, can you see that two-toned blue trim? Uh -huh. Light blue, dark blue? Yeah. Well, those are our Acellus colors. And we have that specially made. Then we have stainless steel legs and we have these little stools. So these could be used as electronic classrooms. And this might make it possible for a lot of kids to go to school when otherwise they wouldn't be able to. Mm -hmm. Missing school has really hurt a lot of students and got them way behind. Yes. Uh, when you get behind in your studies, it could interfere with your whole life, your whole career. And if we can do that for students, it would be really a big deal. What do you think? I think we should do it. I do too. I think mm -hmm. they look neat too. Mm -hmm. So they, right now, these units have a little door in there where the, the robot waits for them to get ready to the part of the course mm -hmm. to program the robot. But in these, we probably wouldn't have robots. We'd change the graphics a little bit. But I think uh, a lot of schools would really use them. Now, we've been talking to some of the schools to see what they think about it. And they are thrilled at the idea. They need to find some way to give their students that are gonna be meeting together every day in these classrooms to give them all the protection they can. Uh, masks can catch germs and keep them from spreading, 
but if you've worn a mask very long, they're sure annoying. And um, I, I just think that people are getting tired of wearing masks all the time. Wouldn't this be nice if it could really work? And if we could slow down the spread and some of these germs be gone. I think there'd be a lot less sickness at schools if mm -hmm. they did something like this too. So what about it? In order for this to have any real impact, you need a lot of them. But they wouldn't be very expensive to make. There's no fan. There's no noise. Uh, it's just a real simple, natural thing. I wonder if um, anyone would be interested in seeing how we make these. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interesting machines and technology involved in these. These metal towers are made by a punch machine that punches the holes in them, and then they're bent. And the color that you see on there is silk screened on. Silk screening is a neat thing. And, and why silk? Because they learned years ago that if you take a piece of cloth of silk that has its porous and you paint certain places on the silk, it plugs up the holes, you let the, the varnish or the paint dry. And then if you squeegee paint over the top, it goes through everywhere else. So you can actually paint all those letters and patterns and everything on in the past. Silk screening is pretty neat. And I think we should show that. They want to know what the purple, what are the purple domes at the top? The purple domes <laughs> at the top are where the dead germs come out. <laughs> okay. It's interesting. The, the purple domes uh, are colorful. And uh, when we made these, I thought, you know what? Let's, let's make them alive. Let's make them sell us pods live. <laughs> and so we found these neat domes with little colored things, and we put a little light in there that would turn, and it made the whole thing look neat, spinning. And we sent them out to some schools, and some children that have certain kinds of conditions would get a little bit sick when they saw the lights. So then we made them not turn anymore. And they're a non-moving decoration. So we call that pods still. Still pods. <laughs> still still pods. pods. Yeah. So and that's skills? kind of what you have to get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would like to, to know if anyone would be interested in seeing some footage of us actually making these. And our IST students write the programs uh -huh. for the punch and the punch goes over and puts the holes in just the right place. Um, if we're gonna build a lot of these for schools, like electronic classrooms, then we're probably gonna have to have more than a punch. A punch just punches one hole at a time. We're probably gonna have to find a better way to make those holes. And of course, the way we would really like to do it, if we had hot and cold running money, <laughs> we, could afford it, we would buy a giant laser so we'd put a piece of metal on the table, and then we'd have the laser cut all the holes. Honey. They want to see the video if you have one. I want to see a laser. We, we <laughs> need a laser, don't we? We have a little one, but this would have to be a great big one. It'd have to have so much power that it can cut through a hole. And why can a laser cut through a hole? All a laser is is a flashlight. It's just a thing that squirts out light like a flashlight. Flashlights don't cut holes in metal, do they? But a laser is a very special kind of light because the light that comes out is all exactly the same color 
and we call that monochromatic. It's just one color, very precisely. And it's also what we call coherent. And when you're talking about coherent, if you talk about a photon of light, it's a wave. It comes out in a wave form. And if there are two, if they're coherent, they're right. I feel like a hula dancer. <laughs> they're, they're right the in sync. And because they're the same color and right in sync, it's possible to focus all that light down to a very small point. And now all the energy of the light is at one point, so it gets very hot. Uh, students sometimes will get a magnifying glass. And if you take a magnifying glass out on a hot summer day and have the sun shine through it, if you focus it just the right distance from a piece of wood, it'll burn the wood. It'll even catch it on fire because you're focusing all that light down to one spot. And that's what we do with lasers, only they're not white light like the sun gives us. They're one color, monochromatic, and the waves are coherent, which means you can really focus them together and get a lot of power, so much power, you literally vaporize the metal and make a hole so you can cut things out and they're nice and smooth. The punch we have, and we need to show them the punch. The punch mm -hmm. will take a big piece of metal, eight feet long, four feet wide, and it's got these hands, and it moves the metal around to the right place, and then the punch, it'll make holes of whatever shape and size the tooling says. It's loud. It's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. It leaves a little burr, though. And there's a lot of labor of trying to clean off that little burr, whereas the laser doesn't. I think we should get a laser. I do, too. What do you think? I think so. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to run on weekends? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd be good at it. Mm -hmm. I love IST because we get to do so many fun things, and that'll really be a fun. I think we need to do an adventure where we go out and look at the shop where we build these. Yep. And what we need to do right now is we need to build a prototype, not of the STEM one, those we already have, have manufactured, but of the new electronic classroom. And since, <clears throat> since we are inventioneers, doing inventioneering, applying science to gather the knowledge of science to get to where we want to be, we will come up with more and more and more good ideas to make this possible. Now I have to tell you, I do have an invention that makes it possible for me to do this. Wow. And the invention is, is kind of interesting and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about this. I did some work on this a few years ago. When you have these lights, and I'm looking at the end of the light bulb, they're really long tubes, like a fluorescent light, only we use little ones, and they're giving out these light rays. It turns out that if you're going to use something like these lights to, to kill germs, you need to make sure they're working and that they're germicidal, they're effective. And so we put a sensor here, a light sensor with some wires, that would measure these waves to make sure that it was working properly. But in less than 15 minutes, this short wave UV would ruin the sensor. And we tried every sensor we could find, and nothing would last more than 10 or 15 minutes. 
And so I said, okay, that's where we are now. Now we've got to get here where there's some way that we can tell if this is really working. So I went to work on a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I have an invention about how to do that, that mission. And that invention works. I've tested it. And it's so clever, I think maybe I'll follow Pat. If I have a patent, that means that for 17 years, anybody that wants to use this invention has to come talk to me about it. <laughs> and that'd be kind of fun. It'd fun. be like owning that note, Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> do you own a note? I do, but you can't hear it. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to bark or anything like that. But no. Anyway. So they want to know if you came up with... The inventioneering term, the inventioneer. The inventioneering term. Well, did actually, kind of did, uh -huh. uh, but it was with a lot of help. Uh, one of our founders, uh, Dr. Jeffrey, pa Sir Dr. Jeffrey Pardo, uh -huh. from London, which is one of the founders of our International Academy of Science, and I felt we needed a new term, and we figured out what the word meant, uh -huh. and then we went on a hunt for the word. And we tried a lot of words in there before this one kind of came up. And it's interesting, uh, Dr. Uh, Pardot lived in London, a very famous scientist over in Europe. And one day, he got on an airplane to come and have a meeting with me. And I waited for his flight to come into Kansas City. And, and when people got off the plane, they got off the plane. He didn't ever get off the plane. Mm. And so, Finally, I went home and I called his wife back in London, and it turned out that when he was flying across the Atlantic, he went to sleep in the plane, and he passed away. So in New York, they tried to wake him up and found out he had passed away. And uh, it just makes me so grateful to him that even on his last day, he was trying to help get this inventionary go, and it motivates me. I'm going to inspire as many inventioners as I can. So if you can figure out a way to keep that sensor from destroying itself when it's in this shortwave ultraviolet light, knock yourselves out. Take your best shot at it. <laughs> it's little things like that is a key. That makes this possible. And without it, you know, uh, regulators probably wouldn't be impressed that they should be used because when it stops working, this is gonna give off alarm. And this normally has a pretty little blue glow to it. When this happens, it's, the glow's gonna turn red. Uh -huh. And you'll be able to say, uh-oh, we need to get it serviced. And the way you service it usually is you just change the bulb. And if you don't have that, then people aren't gonna trust it. Inventionary. Will you sign it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. Right up here? Okay. So there's a sign. That's, that's a ghost sign. I need an R or a mm -hmm. Roger Billings or your signature. Okay, an R right mm -hmm. here? Yeah. <laughs> It's a tease. Okay. <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. See? 
I used to write backwards. Thank you. I heard Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci did that, so he I did. developed this going right real well backwards. <laughs> Forward's still kind of a challenge. <laughs> hey, see you next time. Thanks so much. Thank